morning here on Chapel. My name's Jacob Birch. Uh, if you want to know more about me, uh, go to the website underneath my face here on this video. I really wish I could be with you today. Uh, but as you see, we've sold our house and are moving on the Wednesday and the Friday of this week. And so I thought I'd send you this sermon entitled, Be the Who, over video instead. It's from Acts chapter 6 and 7 about Stephen, his situation, his sermon, his sacrifice. And uh, you know what? Uh, throughout this sermon, there'll be links, there'll be passages, there'll be quotes that appear on the screen. I don't mind if you use your phone, your tablet to go check them out while you listen and watch me, but let's get into it. Today, here on Chapel, Be the Who. There's a what facing the ancient church in Acts chapter 6. Uh, the Jewish widows from a Greek background are being overlooked by the Jewish uh, Judean leaders uh, in the daily distribution of food. Uh, in this sermon, uh, a what is any situation that you or your family or the church faces uh, both now and, and down through history. It's a, it's a logistical what. Uh, you know, there's a lot of widows. There's a lot of food to get to them. It's the Middle East. The temperatures are hot. The food spoils quickly. Uh, we know where all the, the, the Hebrew live, widows live. Uh, they've always lived there. But those Greek speakers, you know, they're just so hard to find. Um, it's a language what. Uh, the leaders in charge all speak Hebrew. So it's just easier to communicate the menus, schedule the deliveries, make the connections with our widows. Those those Greek speakers are just so hard to understand. It's a culinary what. The Judean leaders eat and have the same kinds of foods that our Hebrew-speaking widows uh, eat, but those Greek speakers, they're just so exotic in all their tastes. It's a theological what. We're the apostles. We've been appointed. Our Lord fed the 5,000, so we've got to be the ones to get this food around to everyone. Sorry if we aren't as good as Jesus. To address this what in their wisdom, the apostles respond like God has always responded to every what faced by his people. God responds to what by sending a who. Uh, what do I mean by sending a who? I mean, God uses people to solve problems. He doesn't send them plans or strategies or resources or points or sermons. As I hope you'll see, he sends people. God never sends a how, a where, a why, a what, or a when to do a whose job. The apostles might have been tempted to address their what with a how. Brothers and sisters, the Greek-speaking widows are being missed, so we're going to study how to better serve them. Uh, they might have been tempted to address their what with a where. Uh, brothers and sisters, the Greek-speaking widows are being missed, so we're going to ask them to come to the corners of Abijah and Damascus streets at 4.30 every day after we've... They might have been tempted to address their what with a why. Brothers and sisters, the Greek-speaking widows are being missed because they just aren't easy to find, serve, or please. If only those Greek-speaking widows would... But what did they do instead? In Acts chapter 6, verses 2 to 4, go ahead, look it up on your phone. We read, 
So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven who's, seven men from among you who are known to be full of wisdom in the spirit. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. They chose a who over a where, what, how, or why. One of those who's appointed by the Twelve is Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. The sermon is entitled today, Be the Who, because Stephen's situations, Stephen's uh, life, and Stephen's sermon all highlight that when what's arise, God answers with a who, not a how, not a what, not a when, where, or why. Why do I think Acts 6 and 7 are about the who's God uses, not the what, wow, uh, not the what's, how's, or why's? Well, first of all, because the methods, the what's, the how's, the why's, they're all so varied in the New Testament. And secondly, because one of the very last verses we read today, Acts 7, 58, look it up, we read, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're introduced in this passage to the greatest who in the book of Acts, Saul of Tarsus. I'm going to put on the screen now a painting by Rembrandt. In fact, it's the, the earliest known painting we have of Rembrandt, signed. It's uh, entitled The Stoning of Stephen. And I, I want you to notice uh, a similarity between Stephen's face and Saul's face up on the hill behind him. And uh, talk about it amongst yourselves if you see the similarity as well. Uh, Acts chapter 6 and 7 and Rembrandt's painting on the screen right now join together these two incredible who's. That's why this sermon is entitled Be the Who. That's why I want you to think about being the who who answers the what of your week. How was Stephen the who who met the what of his time? Well, Stephen had the right character. We read in verse 3 that he was of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom. He had the right background. He, along with the other six uh, deacons, were all people who had Greek names. That, that meant they were from the, the Greek diaspora of the Jews. They could culturally relate to the widows that were being missed. They, they were elected by the right process. Instead, we read verse 3, Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men, uh, we may put in charge of this task, the apostles said. Uh, he had the right actions. Uh, we read about Stephen in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen had the right response. Verse 10. But they were unable to cope with his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. It's interesting to me that, that Stephen is noted for, for two things in this passage great wisdom and the ability to do miraculous signs. Uh, the other who we meet at the end of this passage, Saul, who becomes Paul, uh, writes about reaching out to these same two groups of people, to Greeks and to Jews. Uh, he does so in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, where he says, Jews demand signs, but Greeks look for wisdom. Do you hear it? Stephen was in many ways the first real cross-cultural who. 
the first real cross-cultural missionary. He provided both signs to those who wanted them and arguments to those who were convinced by them. Stephen was the who to the what faced by the ancient Jerusalem church. But just because Stephen was right in so many ways doesn't mean, to be, doesn't mean he wasn't found to be in the wrong by the world. Remember that Stephen and Saul and you and I follow Jesus. And Jesus of Nazareth, last words to his disciples on the night he was betrayed was John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. Being the who that answers the what of your week doesn't mean it will be easy. How were the other who's the answer to the what's of their situations in Acts 6 and 7? Uh, That's what Stephen's sermon is all about. How God had a what he want accomplished and sent a who to get it done. Being God's who often means suffering the what you've been called to address. Uh, We didn't read it this morning, but in Acts chapter 7, verse 5, go look it up. We read, uh, talking about Abraham, God gave him no inheritance there, not even enough ground to set his foot on, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. Stephen's sermon is basically a recitation of all the who's that God has used down through the ages. Abraham was the who that God used to give birth to a nation, but he almost had to sacrifice his own son. Moses was the who to lead the people out of Egypt. Uh, We didn't read it in verse 25. We read, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue him, but they did not. Here Moses is leading the people out of Egypt, addressing the what, but they never recognized that he was their real leader. Moses led them to the promised land, but he himself never entered it. David desired to build a temple, but that was accomplished by his son, as Stephen poignantly says in verse 47, but it was Solomon who built a house for the Lord. So how did Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and and Stephen become the who that answered the what of their time? Two ways by rehearsal and release. Rehearsal and release. Um, They were each the who God used because they had been rehearsing, often unknowingly, for their call their whole lives. Uh, Abraham dwelt in tents among pagan nations in order to help his people become a nation. We read in verse five, He gave him no inheritance there of Acts chapter 7, not even enough ground to set his foot on. Joseph served the Egyptians to save the Israelites. Moses tended sheep for 40 years in the very desert he'd shepherd God's people through. David was the man of war his people needed so that they could be a people of worship. Stephen served tables in obscurity in order to preach Christ with clarity. I love what... Rick Warren says about our rehearsal, about our past. He says, we are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. 
Abraham and Joseph and David and Stephen. They were each the who God used also because they were willing to release the very what for which they had been called. Stephen and this whole host of biblical people he preaches about were often called to sacrifice, to let go, to release in order to achieve God's aim. Abraham gave up his right to be a father in order to give birth to a nation. Joseph gave up his right for revenge in order to reunite with his family. Moses saved his people but lost the promised land. David worshipped like no other but was barred from building the house of worship. Stephen was full of the spirit enough to offend and forgive his enemies. You know, in, in these times, whenever it is suffering from what I've heard called lately COVID crankiness, where every little offense is magnified, every little slight is amplified, we would do well to remember that the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, contains only one request, one supplication for others. That's right, there's only one request we make for others in the Lord's Prayer, that they would be forgiven by us as we have been forgiven by God. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen. Here in Acts 7 and in the Disciples' Prayer, we are releasing our right for justice, our right to be offended, our right to be COVID cranky in favor of what? Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 15 on your phone or tablet. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at Stephen, saw his face as the face of an angel. Stephen was someone who, who knew the truth of Louis B. Smead's very famous quote about forgiveness. Quote, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and realize that prisoner was you. Rehearsal and release how each became the who that answered the what of their time. Here on Chapel, you be the who who answers the what of your week. Well, how can you, as a church here on Chapel, uh, be the who in answer to the what's of your time and place? One inescapable trait of Stephen's that is mentioned four times in Acts 6 and 7 about him, is that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's his qualification in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. It was also his reputation, Acts 6, verse 5. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. It was, it was his persuasion. It was the way he worked, Acts chapter 6, verse 10. In his debate with um, uh, the Jews from elsewhere, we read, uh, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And lastly, it was his connection, Acts chapter 7, verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And so Huron Chapel's ability to thrive through the what's the world throws at you will be in direct proportion to your willingness to walk with the who of the Holy Spirit. 
think about Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. Saul, up on the mountain in Rembrandt's prayer, who becomes Paul later in the book of Acts, the other great who of the book of Acts, we read uh, his writing in Galatians 5.25, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, we, we often think of these Spirit-filled verses as being very individualistic. That keeping in step with the Spirit is about sitting in a chair, quietly reading our Bible with a, a steaming cup of something, and then heading off into a heavenly state of rapture in prayer. But look at the grammar of Galatians 5 and the context. Galatians 5.25 is in the second person plural. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. For Saul, who becomes Paul, keeping in step with the Spirit in Galatians 5, what's it all about? Look at the verse right after verse 25. Verse 26. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Look at the verses directly before verse 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's all about community being filled with the Spirit. So how can Huron Chapel be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the who that meets the what of its community in this time? By treating each other well. By keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. By keeping in step with the Spirit. By loving each other, being patient, by showing kindness, by being good to each other. In short, by cutting out the COVID crankiness with each other that some churches, companies, families, organizations are experiencing these days. Huron Chapel, be the who that answers the what of your week. Well, how can you as an individual disciple or your family be the who in answer to the what's that you face as an individual or your family does or in your workplace or neighborhood? Look to the example of Stephen from Acts 6 and 7 today. Stephen was eager to serve, prepared to speak, and ready to sacrifice. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Because these widows were neglected in the daily distribution of food, uh, we read there that the word distribution in Acts 6, 1, and the word um, that the disciples use about their own ministry, the ministry of what they say is the prayer and the word, uh, those two words for distribution and ministry in English are actually one word in Greek, the word diakona. It's the same word used in 6.1 and in 6.4. Could be translated ministry. Um, so how can you as an individual be the who uh, that answers the what of your week, of your church, of your neighborhood? Be the who by seeing whatever God has called you to, whether prayer in the word, or caring for people physically by valuing it and seeing it as ministry, something God has sanctified and set apart for you to do. It's the same word, whether serving food to elders or preaching the word to the people. So what elder on your street or in your building or in your neighborhood needs a phone call or a visit for no good reason? What young mom needs her, her garbage cans brought back up to her garage door in Jesus' name? Uh, now, this wouldn't happen at Huron Chapel, I'm sure, but 
At some churches that I speak in and talk with, you you hear a lot about somebody, right? Uh, Somebody ought to call the shut-ins. Somebody ought to bring in the junk mail. Somebody ought to take meal to the new parents. This message is entitled, Be the Who, but it could just as easily be entitled, Be the Somebody. Young people, don't wait to be told. Busy business people, you're on Zoom all day. You jump at the chance to quit Zoom and be the who that serves where they're needed. Elders, don't wait to be asked. You've been vaccinated. You are our supermen and women. Nothing can stop you now. Look at the example of Stephen from Acts 6 and 7. He was eager to serve. But he was also prepared to speak. Stephen refers to 12 different Old Testament personages and at least 20 different Old Testament stories in one way or another in his sermon in Acts chapter 7. Stephen knew the word. Now I could never, as you can tell, speak like Stephen, but I can not just be eager to serve, but I can be prepared to speak. Um, I can study perhaps even better than Stephen could study. Uh, because of all the resources we have. We can read the word like they did, maybe even better. Uh, You and I can pray like they did. Uh, We can certainly study like they did, maybe even better given all the things we have at our disposal. We can discuss and we can process and we can learn and blog and meditate like they did, maybe even better given the fact that we're on lockdown. I mean, let's, let's admit, even though things have opened up, What else are you going to do? Uh, We're on this stay-at-home order, uh, and we're in phase one, or is it phase two? How many more shows on Netflix are you really going to watch anyways? So brothers and sisters, you and I can be eager to serve, but we also can be prepared to speak. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me use this whole COVID time, this whole time where you're forced to stay indoors or stay at home and not do as much as you'd like, use it to become a person who is prepared to speak. Remember that Peter said in his letter to his churches that we should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ. Not that we have to give an answer or that it has to be the best answer. Peter's emphasis is the same emphasis I want you to take from Stephen. Let's be ready when people ask us what the difference is and what the difference has been in our life during this whole stressful time. Let's be prepared to witness to Christ and the difference that he makes. Well, Stephen was eager to serve. He was prepared to speak, but he was also ready to sacrifice. I just want to read for us here, Acts chapter 7, verses 57 to 59 again. But they shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and rushed at him with one mind. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him, and the witnesses laid aside their cloaks at the feet of a young man, a young who named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen was eager to serve. He was prepared to speak. He was ready to sacrifice. Here on Chapel, that's how you and I can be the who that answers the what of your week. 
How has your past helped you rehearse for the what's you have to face? How has God prepared you in your ability to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ? And are you ready to release whatever the Lord puts his finger on in order for you to be the who that answers the what that you're facing? God bless. Thanks so much for coming to church today. Sorry I couldn't be with you, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Amen.